You are listening to the Calm Down Podcast, the podcast where candid, thought-provoking, and rare conversations happen while amplifying people's stories around the world. Here, we take it one day at a time and also rant on simple courses people don't observe or are just oblivious to. I am your host, Viola Ekene. I am an on-air personality, podcaster, YouTuber, and content creator. Calmers, welcome to episode 35 of the Calm Down Podcast. I am currently recording this on the 20th of October, 2020. And let it be on record that on this very day, 20th of October, 2020, on a Tuesday to be precise, the Lagos State Government, or let's say the Nigerian government, ordered Nigerian soldiers to release live ammunition on peaceful protesters in Lake Tollgate. Lagos, Nigeria. Guys, I won't even pretend. I just had like a little bit of panic attack recently. People are currently dying at Lekki Tollgate. And as I'm recording this, the time is 11.40 p.m. And I could imagine the thousands of people that are still dying there at that gate. It's so funny. And what really hurts us in this whole thing is the fact that this is coming from the same people that we elected into power to protect us. All we are asking for is for them to stop killing us, for police to stop killing us, for SARS to stop killing us. Still, we are being killed here in Nigeria. This episode is also to give voice to victims of SARS. Now, just a little brief or a little heads up of what has been going on in Nigeria, in case you're not Nigerian. So there's been this movement called NSARS here in Nigeria. Now, End Special Anti-Robbery Squad, NSAS, is a decentralized social movement against police brutality in Nigeria. The slogan calls for an end to the Special Anti-Robbery Squad, a controversial unit of the Nigerian police force with a long record of abuses. The protest started in 2017 as a Twitter campaign using the hashtag NSAS to demand the Nigerian government to eliminate the force. After experiencing a revitalization in October 2020, mass demonstrations have been occurring throughout Nigeria and the hashtag NSAS currently has up to 30 million tweets. A lot of Nigerians have shared both stories and video evidences of how members of SARS engage in kidnapping, murder, theft, rape, torture, unlawful arrest, humiliation, unlawful detention, extrajudicial killings and extortion. The list is endless of what these people do to us, I'm telling you. SAS officers profile youths based on fashion choices, mount illegal roadblocks and searches, conduct unwarranted temperature checks, arrest without warrant, rape women and extort young Nigerians for driving exotic vehicles and using iPhones. Can you imagine? We've literally stopped asking them to give us our basic social amenities. We've stopped asking them to give us electricity, to just make education accessible for people that cannot afford to pay school fees. We stopped asking them because we've asked and asked and nothing has been done. Now they resort to killing innocent young people. <laughs> See, the stories you're about to hear are nine stories of different victims of SARS at different times. The stories will send shivers down your spines. It hurts so much 
that the people meant to protect us are actually killing, kidnapping, molesting, and raping. So you better stick around. And this is also to call out on all Nigerian content creators, influencers, or any Nigerian living outside the country. We see your protests. We see your voices. But please, if you haven't been using your platforms to lend in your voices, I want you to know that today I am recording this. Currently, as I speak, protesters are still being shot at a lucky toll gate. If there is one thing that you would do for us is to use your platform to lend in your voice. Now, you're going to hear stories of victims. Now, some of these stories have been gotten from Channels TV, um, which is like a reputable media company here in Nigeria. Some of them have also been gotten from NSAS.com, which is a website that Nigerians created to document stories, video evidences, and reports of people that have been assaulted by SARS at different junctions of their life, different times, different years, and so on. Please stick around. These stories are so heartbreaking. And I hope that after listening to these stories, you will see the need to continue to protest with us, either online or offline. If you know you can't be out on the streets to lend in your voice, there is nothing that should be wrong with your fingertips to help us to retweet, tweet aggressively. If you're a content creator, create content around this. The world needs to know what is currently going on in Nigeria. Stephanie, 10 people have died in these ongoing protests. And that's the same question that protesters are asking, and they are demanding answers to say that they want more accountability, and they are still marching, even in the rain. This downpour is not going to dampen the, the demands. I was, I was coming here, the roads are bad, no lights, education zero. And we're just asking for you to stop killing us, we just want to leave. We are seeing acts of police brutality, police opening live ammunition on protesters, uh, um, demonstrating peacefully. They came with guns, so do I look like do I look like a criminal? No. I'm here to protest, and they came with guns. Who do you think you are to come and you are clocking guns at us? We are just Nigerians. I mean, I'm 21 years old. You don't do that. Mom sent me on an errand. She sells provisions. She has a provision store, so she sent me on an errand to help her get things. She sells in the shop. Outside the compound, there was a van there. There were other people in the van. They just pushed us inside. Without answering us, we were asking questions why, what's happening. Nobody was talking to us. Then my parents were looking for me, came to where I went, came to buy dye, and they told them what happened. Then they came to Surya Police Station. As time went, they were asking for some um, amount of money from my parents. My parents, being the churchy type, didn't want to pay, said they are very sure I didn't know anything about it. So they are not giving any money for it. From Sule Police Station, they took us to Fancy State CID. Immediately we got there, they brought, took us to a room that looked like a staff room. Asked my parents to wait outside. They just wanted to inter they were just wanted to ask me some questions. Then they took me to another room inside the staff room, an open hall. 
and they asked, the policemen asked me to undress. I refused because I didn't know why. Then I was shocked, this electric shock. And when I woke up, I was naked in front of policemen and they started torturing me. I was tied with my hands at the back, my hands and my legs at the back together. And I was being tortured. They just, they just wanted me to say, yes, I did it. Of course, I didn't do anything. I was, I was just 17 at that time, and I was not ready to say I did it. So the torture was too much. I couldn't stand anymore, and I had to agree that, yes, I did it. Because that was the only way they said they were going to stop torturing me. The social action team came in because my, when my, because I've been in prison for three years without, and my case was dumped in a court that was not sitting. So they helped me pick it up, transfer it to a court, a sitting court. And they were actually paying the lawyer, because I already had a lawyer, they were paying my lawyer to hasten up the case. And that was because it was hastened and it led to me being discharged and acquitted. to this story, first of all, this girl was 17 years old when she was arrested. Now, I thought for cases or let's say like, okay, she actually did something wrong. Let's assume that she did something wrong and she's less than 18 years old. What happened to juvenile courts, right? And then people that have survived the torture and the rape of the SAS say that what they do is once they arrest you, they torture you to accept committing a crime that you never imagined committed. <laughs> Listen to the next story. Police shot me on the 18th of October 2017 in a morgue in Abuja. He was having an argument with his colleague. He cocked the gun. The gun was on rapid spray. That was what led to my amputation. On the 18th of October 2017, the petition was read on the national on the floor of the National Assembly. Up till now, no, nothing has been done. What's your, what's your name, please? My name is Kingsley Ezra Carlo. I'm an amputee today. Born with two legs. And I'm putting today because of carelessness of somebody holding gun. If there is one thing this guy's story should embed in your mind is the fact that our systems do not work here in Nigeria. Now, the policeman, which is what they usually target as accidental discharge, right? Fine, it happened. And this man decided to take it up for this man to face the law for that stupid accidental discharge. And guess what happened? Up to today, nothing, absolutely nothing has been done about this. And it's so funny how these police officers carry like very sophisticated weapons like you see them carrying AK-47 patrolling on the streets. Is that even right in the first place? You stop someone to ask them questions or maybe find you notice that they're having like very suspicious movements and you're holding a full barreled gun, like you're holding an AK-47. I really do not know the kind of orientation that these policemen have received, but it is way too much. The harassment, the torture, the killings, they are way too much. On the 14th of November 2005, just six days after I was called to the Nigerian bar and two days after my elder brother's wedding, I was driving in the Zone 1 area of Abuja with my friend Chisomumbono Ezoke and Ofem went on a marked car, drove ahead of us and blocked my car off. Then a man in plain clothes came out of the car with a gun and pointed it at us. Of course, my instincts kicked in and uh, I thought he was an arm robber, so kind of found a way to maneuver and speed off. He jumped in his car and chased after us. I wasn't sure where I was going, but I just kept driving. 
And at some point, we found ourselves on the Olushago Basanjo Way when we noticed he had chased us into an ambush laid by policemen. But at least there was a police truck parked right beside what looked like six to ten men holding guns and blocking the road. And then in what is still the most chilling moment of my entire life, we watched the men raise their guns at us and open fire. We found out later that there had been several reported robbery cases in the area at the time and our dead bodies would have been paraded as the guilty arm robbers. Now, 15 years later, on the 3rd of October 2020, a young man, Joshua Ambrose, was allegedly thrown out of a moving car by members of the special anti-robbery squad in Ugeli in Delta State, and that has sparked off the current NSARS protests. Thankfully, none of us in the car that night in Abuja in 2005 died, even though Ofem was hit by a bullet on his shoulder, and he still carries this car to this day. He has gone on to do so many things, including being the MD of Smart City Lagos. Chisum, who was also in the car, is now a leading presenter on Supersport. But many other Nigerians haven't been as lucky as us to stay alive today and fulfill their dreams. Kolade Johnson was killed by the police. Anita Akapsin was killed. Chijoke Iloanya was killed. Musab Samani was killed. Tina Ezekwe was killed. And thousands more. So when Nigerians talk about NSARS, it's not just a hashtag on Twitter. It has been our reality for far too long. Yes, the government has disbanded the police unit, but even after that, more Nigerians have been killed as peaceful protests continue across the country. Jimo Ishiak, Ikechiku Iluamuzo, and many more have died even as government has given the police orders to stand down. As recently as yesterday, more lives were lost in Oshobo. This is not a political movement. It's literally Nigerians telling the government to give them a chance to just be alive. It's the most fundamental human right, and everyone has earned that right. So the government must be seen to be acting and not just speaking, because as long as the words of those in authority don't match what Nigerians see on the streets, trust will continue to slip away. And hopefully, this does not continue to be the case. That story you just listened to right now is that of Ebuka Chukwebuka Obi Uchendu. He's the host of a popular reality TV show here in Nigeria called Big Brother Niger. Now imagine if Ebuka died during that, you know, sporadic shoots. Imagine what would have been, what we would have been robbed of. Imagine the talent that we would have been robbed of. It also reminds me of people that they've killed and, you know, they've killed, you know, in secret places, the people that they've also killed, either by their stupid accidental discharges. Imagine the talents that they've robbed us of. And the way they just open fire and pin crimes on you is just outrageous. Imagine how these guys have been killed. Imagine how their dreams have been cut short. Just imagine, take a moment to think about it. Now listen to this next story. This next story is by Hafiz. He sent me his story. Thank you so much for choosing to share your story on the Countdown podcast. The reason that I am doing this is to let you know the reality of most Nigerian young people. I have tendencies of being harassed by SARS tomorrow if they are not disbanded, which is what we are requesting for. I have the tendencies of being harassed by them because what? Because I am young. Because I look fresh. Because I look healthy. <laughs> which is outrageous, right? Really, really outrageous. Listen to Hafiz's story. My name is Alfis Tenova and um, yes, I've been, you know, aroused by SARS official twice, uh, though I could say I got lucky on those two occasions at least. I'm alive today, so yeah, count me lucky. Uh, the first time was in, I think, probably 2009, yeah, 2009, 2010, there about. I was still in the university then. Um, I took a bike. I was actually coming back from somewhere in the evening, and I saw my friends walking, so I just decided to stop and, you know, say hi to my friends. And as I stopped, I was trying to pay the bike man. I just noticed that the bike man zoomed off, you know, in a hurry. And in my mind, I felt like, oh, because I know this guy, he doesn't want to, you know, collect money from me. And immediately I turned back. 
park, you know, to say hi to my friend. What I saw were three police, three South officers pointing AK-47 at me. Like, that was the first time I'll see an AK-47 up close and personal, like, strictly in my head. And I felt like, what was happening? In my mind, it was all fun because the only thing they were saying is, where your phone, where your phone, where your phone? And I was just laughing, like, really, what is happening? What is going on? Because it felt as if I was watching an American movie and I couldn't just understand what was going on. Then I bought on my phone, one of these uh, touchlight um, phones I was using back then that had rubber band on it. I brought it and I'm like, this is my phone. And one of them used, um, you know, the bottom of the gun to eat me on my head. I'm like, your Blackberry, I mean your Blackberry. I mean, back then, Blackberry was the biggest thing then. He like, where's your Blackberry? I'm like, I don't have Blackberry. This is all I have. And, you know, then the fourth officer was not coming from, so I think that was like the boss. But then one of them went to the meeting and I had them saying, this one a bad market or this one, this one. And I'm like, let them go, making go, making go, making go. And for about three to five minutes, I just stood there wondering, like, what was what just happened? I didn't understand. So my second incident happened in 2013. Both incidents actually happened in Agorway. And I just came back after the service to come and, you know, say hi to my friend. We went to the filling station to go and buy fuel. At least we were going to the filling station to go and buy fuel with 200 naira, fuel of 150, oil of 15. That's what we wanted to do because we were so broke at that period in time. And that was all these police officers, these staff officers, they are stopped out on the road, asked for our phone. Immediately, saw my friend was using Blackberry without any question. They took both of us on the bike and he said to their station. And immediately we got to their station, they started telling us, you know, this one down, we need to pay one kind of money before we can bill ourselves. And they were like, the least we can pay them is 50k. And I was telling them, look, 15 era, I don't even have. Unless you want to collect this 200, you want to go and use to buy for There's nothing on us we have. They left all day about an hour. They came back with some guys. Those guys, they were negotiating 60,000. Those guys paid actually 60,000 to free themselves. Told us that we should look at those guys, that is 6,000 they are paying, that when we are ready, they will, we should talk so that we can negotiate with them. Then around, they took us around. 12, then around 6 in the evening, they now came back. In between all this time, they've been coming back to make threats of, you know, they would just waste us, they would do this, they would do that. So when they came back around 6 and they came into the and they're like, oh, you, that they were talking to me like, oh, you, you be copper. That's why, because I had my national ID, uh, my copper's ID card in my wallet and all that after they took the whole thing and they saw it. So they're like, oh, that's why they do Shaka this one. Anyway, Mona, they go this one. And that's how they left us around 6 in the evening. That is Hafiz Tonova on Nitilo's story. I hope I pronounced his name right. If I didn't, I'm sorry, Hafiz. You know, it is really, really crazy. Hafiz is also a podcaster like I am. He hosts the Chacha Music Podcast. Now, imagine if Hafiz never lived to tell the story. We would have also been robbed of a talent. Hafiz is 31 years old now. And it happened that when this particular story that he shared happened, he was still a core member. Now, if you're not Nigerian, there is something we call NYSC, which is National Youth Service Corps. It's a mandatory service that is required of every Nigerian citizen after graduating from the university to serve their country. So we are, first of all, taken to orientation camps and trained. Then after that, we are redeployed to different states in the country to serve either in institutions like um, medical institutions, if you studied medical-related courses, schools, and so many institutions in Nigeria. Now imagine if Hafist was shot. Imagine if Hafist, I don't know, I don't just know how to say it. Because if I'm to say that, imagine if Hafist was unlucky. So that is to say that the people that have been shot were quote unquote unlucky. Imagine if Hafist died. We would also have been robbed of a talent. It's crazy out here, I tell you. Like it's really, really crazy. Right, so I'm going to make this as straight to the point as possible. Um, my, I've had three encounters with SAS officials. 
whining about them. And it's been, it was it was the craziest thing that ever happened. I was going to work and I was walking somewhere along Ibo Road, all the way down to, um, I was going to somewhere in Kolaba. And this officer stopped me and then asked what I did for a living. I was in office wear, to be honest, and was doing my service here. And I had all my cards and ID cards and everything and showed it to him. And he still bullied me and decided to collect my money from me. And he asked me to give him some cash. And I told him I don't have, because yes, I'm a copper. And there's literally in my, in my accounts that, that was even enough for me to leave on, right? And he cocked his gun at me. And then when he did that, I was like, okay, see, this is, you've cocked your gun at me. If you don't shoot, then you're wasting both our times. And then he asked who my father was. And I told him, well, just shoot. And then you find out who my father is. And then he decided not to. But it was scary. It was, it was a really scary experience. That is Olamide Akomolafe's story. Again, pardon me if I didn't pronounce the name correctly, but now this guy is one of the founders of a platform called Shukran. If you listen to my podcast well enough, you notice that I talk about Shukran a lot because this is one innovation that I am so proud to be a creator on. So Shukran is a platform that enables you to support your favorite content creators in their content creation journey by tipping them any amount to say thank you for creating content that gives value to people. Now imagine if Olamide was killed. Or imagine if a police officer says that he accidentally discharged bullets on Alamide. We would have also been robbed of another talent. That is our reality here in Nigeria. When I come back around 9 o'clock, 9.30, I bath, I shower. I go to my bed to sleep. They just barge into my room. Use cut class to break my door. Break my door. Break everything in my room. I, they just, they don't even allow me to wear anything. They're just pressing my nash. Hey, you, now only you get this one. Now only you get this one. What does that mean? What did that want me? Because I don't go to school. There's a person when you go to school, not be fight for right again. Ah, what's happening now? Who press your nash? All those shots, where If they come, I go talk for their front. They won't kill me, they kill me. Now one person come down. First, let me explain what this woman was trying to say, because she had a mix of English and, you know, pidgin English. First of all, SAS officials broke into her house. They used cutlasses to break down her door. And on top of that, they were also molesting her. In case you don't know, there have, there have also been reports and also stories by victims of the SAS people, quote-unquote, of them raping women and also molesting them. So when they broke down her door and entered her house, they started to touch her. They started to say things like, oh, you have such a big buttocks and it's so funny how you're the only one that has such a big buttocks. They were touching her molesting her and saying all sorts of rubbish. Now, this is coming from the people that are meant to be protecting us. So for those of you who don't know the story of Chijoke, I'm just going to tell you what happened quickly. So Chijoke was 20 years old in 2012 and he went for a child dedication. He was picked up there and he was taken, he was allegedly taken to SAS office. When his family went to look for him, they were told that he had been taken to the headquarters. They went there to find him. His mother spotted him being brought into the station and she said, that's my child. And the officer in charge of that station, the notorious Nwanfo, asked them to boot her and the family out of the premises and then they were pushed out. Since then, they haven't seen Shidoke again. The next time they went, the officer Wanfo boasted that he killed, he shot Shidoke, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. They searched for him, and then some other officers told the parents that it's possible he hasn't died, that the man could just be bluffing. They should bring some money to bribe him. The father brought some money. The officer said the money was too small. The father went, sold his land, sold some properties, raised three million. 
gave it to the man. The man said three million was chicken change. And the most horrifying part of this story, if you are a parent, that man, CSP14, made Chichoke's dad to look for Chichoke's body in a river of dead bodies. He made him turn every single corpse upside down searching for his son. I can't imagine what that man was going through. One part of him would think, let me find this body so that we can have closure. Another part of him would think, let me not find this body so that we can have hope. This is the impunity with which officers have treated us. They came to Abuja to seek justice. The state CID told them they would have to pay money to transport others them they would have to pay money to transport others down to the state where it happened to investigate we have no system we cannot get tired are you tired i am enraged i am angry i am sad but i am definitely not tired and we will not be tired until we get justice for Chicho king for Tony, for Tina, for Kolade, for everybody that has fallen, for the survivors, for Adenike, who is in a wheelchair and has been in a wheelchair for 24 years. Because at age 15, the car she was in was sprayed by bullets by SARS official. They didn't end it there. They intimidated her and tried to kill her on her hospital bed just so that she would not share her story. But she is alive today and she's sharing her story. And these stories will be the last. They will be the last. Are you tired? Are you tired? We can't be tired. Thank you. The first day I listened to Chijuke's story, I shed a lot of tears. That story is heartbreaking. And to think that the perpetrator, the notorious CSP Wafo is on the run. Nobody knows where he's whereabouts. People are looking for him. Can you imagine what they make this man do? The point that made, made my heart break more is when this man went to the state CID and he was told to pay for investigation, for, the, for, for them to send out officers to the state and carry out an investigation. He has to pay. Can you imagine? He has to pay. <laughs> we've had enough in this country. Honestly, we've had enough. Now listen to this next heartbreaking story. It's like a conversation between a mom and his son. Listen. What's your name? My name is Isaac. You're in what class? Yeah. How do you feel going to school every day? Good. And how do you feel about your friends? Happy. Okay. What about them? How do they feel about you? I'm not sure. You're not sure? Why? Because I'm not sure because... They don't play with me um, that fun all the time. Okay, and what again? I think they don't play with me all the time because I'm not the same skin or color of them. And how do you feel about that? I feel sad. Okay, and where would you love to go to your high school? Nigeria. Why? Because everyone in Nigeria is the same skin or color of me. And so you feel if you go to Nigeria, you feel connected with them? Yes. Okay, so how, how are you sure about that? Good. So what do you tell the government of Nigeria to do for you so that you can come to Nigeria for secondary school? 
why don't you tell the government to make sure Nigeria is in good order, that you want to come to Nigeria, you want good school, you want good roads. I know you don't have the experience of what Nigeria look like. I know you say a lot of things about Nigeria sometimes, and I try to cover it up. You left Nigeria when you were 18 months, and you can never, you can't remember what Nigeria look like. But every day, my son comes home telling me how bad he feels in school. Please, Nigerian government, do something about it. We are not happy. We want to come back home. But no social amenities, no school, the fear of security, the fear of if anything happened to my kids, how can I take them to the hospital? Please, Nigerian government, we want to come back home. Do something. Please, do something. We want change. We want change. Do something. Please, please. When I actually watched this video before the audio was extracted for the purpose of this podcast, it broke my heart into pieces. It actually opened my eyes to something that I never thought was someone or some people's reality or some Nigerians' reality living outside the country. And that reality is that a lot of Nigerians living abroad actually want to come back to Nigeria, but they can't because they are scared of their lives. They are scared that when there are emergency situations that require healthcare services, they might not get maximum healthcare services like they do wherever they're staying right now because the system is corrupt and the system is not working. They're also scared of being deprived of social amenities, which you and I believe should be what every Nigerian should be enjoying, but are not enjoying it. And this particular story by this boy and her mom also shed light on the fact that racism is still a huge thing. And the fact that all of us, no matter where we run to, even though a lot of Nigerians are saying, oh, I want to run out of the country, there is that part of you that would one day want to come home to your country because you there is just something about home, right? And you probably have loved ones there. But then some of them are also still scared of not coming back because of the aforementioned reasons, the reasons I mentioned before. And it's crazy. Like, it's really, really crazy. When I watched this video, it broke my heart. And when I... <laughs> and if you take your time to just rewind this and listen to it again, you understand the fear in that mom's voice. I could imagine her fear. And a lot of us here, young Nigerians, are actually scared of giving birth to children here. Because, I mean, there are a lot of things that are also denied simply because they're Nigerian and our government has failed us. And then the people that are supposed to be protecting us are killing us. Now, in case you do not understand what this NSAS is all about, because I know that there are some people or there are some Nigerians that are still like, oh, this NSAS, you should come, go and sit down. In case you don't understand. Now, this rant by Crispy Rubino, that's his Twitter handle. At least should clear some of your senses. Listen to this. Good morning, everybody. Um, I feel like some people don't understand the context of what this um, NSAS protest represents in the history of Nigeria. SARS is a physical representation of what the Nigerian state is to the average Nigerian youth. First of all, they steal from us. They abuse us. When we fight back, they kill us. This is a country that has not done anything to support the average Nigerian youth in chasing their dream. Multiple taxation. VAT is 7.5%. They increased it. We pay stamp duty charge. Increase the price of uh, electricity tariff. Fuel price went up. The hospitals are not working. People are dying because they can't raise 2,000 naira to pay hospital bill. Hospital bill of 2,000 naira. Less than 5 pounds. 
The educational system from Nigeria sets you back 20 years. You can't compete with your peers on a global scale. And then you are telling me that, oh, we need leaders to represent the protests so that they can negotiate. You are mad. You are me. You are mad. You put campaigned, contested elections, and you are telling me that the people that you are representing, you don't know what they need. That's what you are telling us. They are now all of a sudden, you have gotten there, you don't know what they need. Abir, when I go street, go tell Bini boys now. When I go tell Ogbe boys, boys who work six years as carpenter, they'll sell their parlance for Siloko. Made a few track, follow the beer, follow desert. Climb sea, climb boats for sea. They go Europe. They the traffic girls. When I want to tell Abir, when I sell a film trip, now real life, people pay money to be trafficked out of Nigeria because they're tired of the dead ass system. And then somebody will not wake up. That his name is Cufflinks. That he did Zoom meeting. Oh, entrance protest. God punish Guess you, bro. What? These stories are by fellow Nigerians like you and I. And it's funny how it's coming from the same people that are meant to protect us. I need you to do me a favor. Share this episode aggressively. You might not be Nigerian, yes. And you might probably think, okay, you guys, just stay safe. But one thing that you can do for us is to share, to raise awareness. Yes, you might not be able to come and join us on the protest ground, but use your social media platform for us. Share it with your friends just to create awareness of what is currently happening in the country. And if you're still going out to protest, I really do not know how to say this because considering the fact that as I'm recording this, lots of Nigerians are being killed at Lekki Tollgate by Nigerian soldiers. Apparently, the people also meant to protect us. So if you're, if you're going to protest physically tomorrow, please stay safe, okay? Please stay safe. And if you're not going to out to protest physically, do it online. It will literally cost you nothing to keep on retweeting and sharing. And if you're a content creator and you're still uploading co your content as if nothing is happening, I really do not know what to say to you. I see some of you all and I'm wondering, what is really your problem? Some of you keep uploading content as if all these things in the country is not your business. <laughs> this concerns all of us because if these policemen kill all the people that would watch your content or listen to your content who would actually do that better receive sense now just receive it and if you have more stories to share probably you have your own sas harassment story please drop me a voice message okay just like i always advise you to do at the end of each episode of the podcast drop me a voice message share your own story if i collate a lot of stories as regards your voice messages i'm going to create another episode where all these voice messages will be featured on so please drop your voice messages and even if it's one or two voice messages i get guess what i am also going to feature it in the next episode of this podcast and also whatever podcast app you're using to listen to me right now um i need you to do me a favor Give this podcast good ratings, drop review, and also share. And further subscribe so you can stay updated with latest episodes. And if you'd love to support this podcast, that would be amazing, okay? You can do that on a platform called Shukran. Remember I said earlier that Shukran was created by Olamide, right? Olamide is one of the people that shared his stories with us. Now, imagine if SARS took him. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> oh my God. So Shukran is a platform that has been created for you to support your favorite content creators by tipping them any amount to say, thank you for sharing valuable, relatable content with me. So you can tip me on Shukran for any amount for as low as 100 Naira or $1 or up to any amount that you want to tip me. Remember, this NSAS movement isn't just a play, isn't just a joke or something that we're unserious about. This is serious. This concerns the future of Nigeria. And we are also doing this for our unborn children. We want to give them a safe Nigeria. We want to give them a safe Nigeria. NSAS.
just end it. Whatever name you've decided to name or rename it to, because the government thinks we are doing a naming ceremony. SWAT, SAS, whatever. Just end SAS.